0: Welcome to The Naked Truth, Real Talk About West Coast Swing. My name is Eric.
1: And I'm
2: Deborah.
0: And today we're sitting down with not one, but two amazing champion level dancers. They began dating in 2010 and started their partnership in West Coast Swing within the next year, and then got engaged two years later. They have spent the last six years together, traveling, training, teaching, and competing to become one of the most established and well-known couples in swing. They've won numerous titles in Strictly Swing and Jack and Jill competitions, earned several awards on the NASD circuit, and are consistently one of the world's top classic division couples. They are most well-known for their innovative and intellectual teaching, approachable and social attitudes, and unique interpretation of traditional West Coast swing. They're our friends and two of my own teachers. Please welcome to the show, Courtney Adair and Sean McKeever.
2: What's up? It's good to be here.
0: Great to have you guys on the
1: show. Um, So we always start with the same question for everyone. And the first question is, how did you get started in West Coast
2: Swing? Mm -hmm.
3: So I got started in West Coast Swing basically like a mile away from where we're sitting right now, which was at Monroe Hall in Santa Rosa. Mm -hmm. It's um, uh, It's a venue that hosts country dancing on Sunday nights. And basically I got really into country music. My dad was like, I work with a woman that does line dancing to country music. This could be something you're interested in. I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go for it. And I showed up and I learned, I forget what line dance. It might've been like traveling four corners or something like that. push. push. Uh, oh yeah. I was tush, push queen. I still- <laughs> 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 that gets played. I'm on the dance floor. Um, yeah, and so then they had a line dance lesson, and then they would offer, like, a uh, country two or nightclub, and then one of the nights, it was West Coast Swing, and that was where I was first introduced to the dance.
1: And did you like it when you first saw it?
3: I loved it. Huh. Uh, yeah, and I loved that it was to contemporary music.
2: Right. So, like, even
3: though I was there for country dancing and whatnot, like... The DJ getting to play songs that I was hearing on the radio made me go like, oh, this is just a little bit cooler (laughs) as a 14-year-old girl.
1: Right. And you, Sean?
4: Yeah, I got uh, introduced uh, in a really roundabout way. I had a really interesting upbringing because uh, my mom homeschooled me and my three sisters. Uh, So I was at home for school, but my Parents were always looking for ways to make sure that we could go out and like build friendships and have activities and not miss out on, on anything by being homeschooled and actually have more opportunities to try stuff. So, uh, I was playing a lot of basketball and my parents really wanted me to get into this ballroom program that's huge up here in Santa Rosa. It's called NordQuest. Um, pretty much every kid between the ages of 14 and 17 passed through there at some point during uh, junior high and high school. And I had no interest <laughs> in dancing at all. Actually. Um, I wanted to go to hang out with my friends. Sure. So, so I went and started just taking these basic classes and really enjoyed the, the time I got to spend with my friends and was introduced to it through, uh, Capital Swing. That's the first time I really saw West Coast Swing. Uh, a group of us all heard about it through, I think we were going out and doing jitterbug at this place called Ellington Hall here in Santa Rosa. Somebody did West Coast Swing. They're like, Hey, we're going to go to this convention in Sacramento, loaded up like a big SUV. My mom got a room for like 10 kids to go <laughs> sleep in. And we just stayed up and saw. You and saw Kyle and Sarah, and saw uh, Jordan top premiere pump it that year. Um, this was 2005. Was the, the point at which I actually started seeing West Coast Swing, um, and it was the same thing for me as it was for Courtney, where I was seeing dancers who I could relate to and listening to music that I was hearing on the radio, and it was something I didn't realize partner dancing could be. I only saw that in like solo dancing. So seeing the routines to songs I was hearing on the radio and uh, watching especially the, the pros, the champions strictly and Jack and Jill and seeing how people could improvise in the moment and have these brilliant conversations just blew me away. And kind of from that point on, I was I was hooked on it and wanted to learn how to do it.
3: Yeah, And like that's part of why Sonoma County is such a hotspot for producing awesome young dancers is because of this Nordquist program. So you have like Jessica and Jason Taylor, the Guidos. Mm -hmm. Alyssa Glanville, and
4: I. Yeah, they were all exposed to West Coast Swing. We grew up, she was homeschooled as well up here in uh, Sebastopol, which is just next door to us. And uh, she went through the same program. We've known each other since we were kids. Same with Janelle and all the Guido kids. And mm -hmm. it's really cool. There's something, something to always hear. Some young dancers always coming up here. It's awesome.
0: Yeah.
1: And NorQuest is still around, right? Oh,
4: yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah, okay,
0: it's great. great. Yeah, there's a great. new batch of dancers coming up uh, through the ranks yeah. that have been through yeah, that program.
3: Totally, we just got to uh, work with some of them at Monterey. So right. Tara just started doing a new juniors program there with um, Dante was who was sponsoring it, and so you're already seeing like kids coming up and getting that exposure to like this is what the dance can be. This is right. what it can look like at the highest level, right? Um, and large communities.
4: So. It's so cool to see them experience that. Cause I remember that moment of going, Whoa, like what is this world? This is amazing. Mm-hmm. What's possible here. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah.
0: So who influenced you both in those early days? Like where did you learn the dance? What teachers influenced you most or, or just anybody like anybody you aspired to be at that point?
3: Hmm. Like at my, very very early days so when I was like 1415 dancing at this country hall one of the first um, pros I saw was Yvonne Benavenitas Wayne now yeah. um, it was her and Tony Gooch that would go out there and be dancing and I was just like this is what it can look like oh my goodness because the the level at the country hall was was very low and it was right. a lot of like, cowboys in their sixties. So then for them to come in being these professional, incredible country dancers and then to see them do West coast swing, I was like, Oh, that's what I want to do. Um, so I was super inspired by seeing her movement. Um, one of my, my first private lessons was from Kelly Buckwalter at the time, now Kelly Casanova. Um, so she was a really big inspiration to me in terms of like, uh, teaching me footwork, footwork and spins. That was one of my first kind of exposures to learning
4: the dance. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, dog going crazy. Yeah, ours, <laughs> our dog is throwing his toy around. Sorry. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> we live with a giant animal. Um, I'll bring him on screen at some point. So for me, I, I was just instantly obsessed with everybody, all the pros that I saw at Capital that first year in 2006.
1: 2006.
4: Oh, six. Um, So, I got to see, like I said, I got to see Pump It for the first time. This was when Kyle and Sarah did 9 to 5. Mm -hmm. And that that routine's been super influential on me in in both that immediate time, but also long-term. I look back at it all the time. In fact, like, just at swing Hoover, Last weekend, we taught a, um, a special class with Miles and Tessa and Ben and Cameo where uh, Sarah asked us to teach a move from a couple that influenced us. And we taught a move from 9 to 5 that Kyle and Sarah did. So even now... And we actually need to update our bio because it's actually more like 10 years we've been doing this together, yeah. not six. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought it had been longer. That
0: <laughs> bio might
4: have been out of date. So. Um, but, but yeah, even 10 years later, we're still kind of diving down that well of that first weekend I went to. So that was huge. Uh, Pump It was huge. Uh, I saw Pete Green do it strictly with with Sarah that weekend and Mm -hmm. he had this crazy dyed hair and bangs and like a shirt with a shiny bowl on the back and I was like, this dude's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And so next year I showed up and I had bangs. (laughs) Um, He just had a super interesting style and like so fluid through his body and so articulate through his feet. I'd never seen anything like that. So I was watching uh, Michael Kilbasa and Jen DeLuca's First routine together that weekend. RJ and Melissa were dancing, uh, to, uh, 60 yeah. Minute Man. Uh huh. Right? Uh, to Lucille. That right. routine was so cool.
1: Um, Jen, like, was that the year that they did Dindada or?
4: It was their first one that they did together. Yeah. Din Dada. Um, was it, Din before, that? Or it was before that? Before that one? Shoot. It was to like a Shaka Khan song or something like that. Oh. Uh, I'll, I'll pull it up and send it to you at some point. Okay. They were wearing like dark blue.
2: We'll it put was that cool. in our
4: notes. I'll it once.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but yeah, I also saw Parker and Jessica there. And my sister was going to school at the University of San Diego mm-hmm. at that time. And I went down to visit her. And I told my mom, I was like, I really want to get a private with Parker while we're here. Wow. Um, and so she surprised me. And she actually, like, we showed up at Starlight in the middle of the day. And, uh, I went in there and Parker was there and I, I had my very first private lesson. And this is also one of my favorite stories to say about your dad. Oh, I think at the time my dad was still a little unsure about like how obsessed his son was with dancing all of a sudden. Right. And then, uh, partway through the lesson, it was just Parker and I, and I was trying to learn and move, but trying to lead Parker. And I had no idea what the (laughs) heck I was doing. Um, it was really weird, but I learned a lot in that lesson. Uh, but then partway through, Jessica showed up, and she just kind of popped in. She was so sweet and never met her before, and I was just so terrified because she's an amazing dancer and a beautiful right. woman. I'm right. 16 and... Uh, impressive, Super awkward. Super yeah. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. And homeschooled.
4: And homeschooled. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, once I came out and my dad met Jessica, he was like, Oh, okay. I uh, I see why you're doing this now. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: so funny. Doesn't hurt. You're,
4: you're smart. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was my, my first lesson, and I, I still go into the stuff. I learned that lesson all the time with my students and in my workshops. And he taught me how to do a kickball change and taught me this great little whip variation. He called the top turner. That I tried uh-huh. out on Jessica and almost ran her over, but I got it eventually.
2: <laughs> yeah,
4: um, yeah, all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah. So I worked with him quite a bit for a while after that. Um, that was like kind of the first phase of my development. Right. Um, and then locally, to be long winded, there's a, there's a lot. I could talk forever about this stuff.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, Luckily, I met Caitlin Lawson right. within that first year. I started taking lessons. She was dancing at a stars ballroom with, uh, Jason and Yvonne and Nick Wayne. And I started going there, taking like the weekly lessons, going to the weekly dance, um, and danced constantly with Caitlin. Like we were around the same age, both teenagers kind of learning this dance, super stoked about it. So we danced every week and we decided to do a juniors routine together. So I competed that same year that I started dancing. I competed. Uh, at the 2006 US Open and Juniors with Caitlin. Right. And right. I think we got fourth. And it's hilarious to look back at, but I'm sure. I mean, I, I started right away. And I think I credit that to why I kept going and kept doing mm-hmm. routines for such a long time.
1: Right. So speaking of routines and partnerships and stuff like that, I mean, we've just uh, established that obviously you've been together for 10 years and maybe a little bit longer, if not six. Um, how <laughs> did you, <laughs> how did you start? Um, your partnership and what were your goals for competition when you first started your partnership?
4: Good question: The origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, we were were buddies when we did a, a Bay Area dance team together.
3: Yes. What was the acronym?
4: It was really bad. I'm um, not even gonna. I'm Bay not even gonna go Area into that. Bay Area
3: All Star. It
4: was like badass. It was so cheesy. was <laughs>
3: <That's
4: cute. laughs> so cheesy. But the idea was we got a bunch of Northern California dancers together, like all star dancers, and we tried to put together a little team. It didn't end up uh, that amazing, <laughs> but a lot of friendships were built, and that yeah. was kind of the purpose, anyways.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And this was in, this was mm-hmm. like 10 years ago. Yeah,
3: 2009. Right.
4: So we did that and we were buddies through that whole process. And I think that friendship just kind of, we'd always dance together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had met the first night that I went to Two Left Feet. I saw her and I danced with her. She doesn't remember me. I don't. But <laughs> <What's> <laughs> I, I was meeting her. Well, you so were like 17, 18
2: at the time.
4: Yeah. yeah.
1: Right. Because how many years apart are you?
4: I,
3: I am 33.
4: I'm 29. So we had a little bit of a gap because we actually grew up. This, one of the craziest parts of our story, as far as partnership goes, is all the way back to where we grew up. We grew up about a mile away from each other yeah. in in Windsor, way up north, even knowing it, even yeah, knowing yeah, it.
3: Like yeah. such a small town, mm-hmm. and um, and then we didn't meet until I was living in Sacramento because I went out to uh, UC Davis for school, right. and then I was going down to Tulafii, and that is where. We met, so out in Danville, but, um, and then I eventually, I moved back, um, to Windsor. I moved back home for a little bit. Um, and then that was kind of where we really started to, to dance and, yeah, and date and fall in love.
4: Yeah. Like she moved back and like I was dancing, uh, showcase at the time with Tara, but I want to, I had an interest in trying classic as well. Right. And we'd always like, Really well together on the social floor, and she was living in Windsor and we already had great chemistry and I already had a huge crush on her. Um so it was just a win-win all the way around. So
1: Sean, it was love at first sight for you, huh?
4: Uh it was definitely infatuation that, that turned into <laughs> <a lot. laughs>
0: as it always does.
4: Yeah, you know, it it grows. I think the thing is we've been we've gone through so much together because we've We've been traveling together and living side by side for, you know, this long now. So you learn somebody in like a much deeper level. So it's constantly changing and growing. But when we first started dancing together, I think we just wanted to create. There wasn't really a big goal in mind at the time.
3: Yeah. So I got my BA in psychology graduated and I decided that I want to throw myself into dancing because that was the first time that I wasn't so like all my time wasn't going into school. So I um in order to support the dance habit. And then I was just doing anything I could get my hands on. So I was doing um, classic with Edmund Lee. I was on a hip hop team in San Francisco. And then I also joined a salsa team um, in Vallejo. So I was just driving and dancing um, and so I was kind of in this, this transition when I moved back home of the original career wasn't going to be showing up for me right then. And it was, what do I love? Who do I love? And how can I just keep creating? So it wasn't, there wasn't some big life plan. It was like X A on the previous life plan. Let me just throw myself into mm-hmm. passion and creativity and and it was like, we were, we were so good at creating e- with each other that we just kept taking one step forward. And then all of a sudden it was like, and eh, now we're professionals. <laughs> I mean, obviously there was some, some markers along the way, but there was, there was never a like, let's sit down and play right. professional partners together. That was not how the relationship and uh, the partnership was born.
1: Yeah. I think it's interesting that you say that because, you know, if I, if I look back, how I started it, it was kind of the same thing by accident. I fell in love with West coast swing and then I started dancing with Steve Nearing. And then all of a sudden Robert came into the picture and boom, now I'm a West coast swing professional. And I think a lot of people who started the way we did, most of us who started in West coast from like our generation and your generation, Courtney kind of started like country Western dancing or Northwest, you know, like you say, or, uh, uh, teams, and they kind of fall in it by accident. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, I love this. I don't want to use my college degree because a lot of us have had our college degrees. I do. Angel does. Mario does. You know, you do. There's, there's a ton of us who have them but haven't really used them because we kind of fell in love with this. And I think it's great that you fell in love with it and you guys are able to do something, create together uh, something that you enjoy doing together. We're yeah,
4: very lucky. And um – we were really lucky in a lot of ways. And one of the ways that we were lucky was that we, we knew that we were good at doing this together and that we enjoy doing it together and it was fun. Um, but we were lucky enough to have people like Kyle and Sarah, Right. uh, Howard and Sarah van Drake. Obviously anybody listening to this podcast knows who that is, but, right. um, they, you know, they saw, us and saw that you know we could possibly do this and they taught us how to make something that we enjoy doing into a a profession. You know, they kinda showed us a lot of a lot of the ways that you can apply your skill set in the arena of teaching or in choreography or
3: Yeah, it was like how how to take something that you love and make it a lifestyle.
4: Exactly. (laughs) How how you can bring it to every event and like make that event better. You know, like the ways that professionals can can be an asset to the community um, and how you can get to do what you love every day. So, right. everybody wasn't a great example of that. And then there's a lot of people that we've learned how to like, um, how to then change those expectations for ourselves as, as we've gotten deeper and deeper into it. It's like, oh, okay, we're here. We're at the top level of of this community, let's maybe set some goals. Now we've, we've been free to just create and like see what happens. And now we've been here for a while and, and what can we do next? How can we take ourselves to another place? So it's, it's been cool to kind of go through a little bit of an evolution from just naive kids kind of throwing themselves into dancing and to now, Looking back at the time we spent and deciding where we want to go next and how we move on into the like next phase of our, dancing, our teaching, our career, mm-hmm. our events, everything that we can possibly
0: do. So at what point did that switch happen? At what point did you either, maybe it was Kyle and Sarah raised the idea, but at what point did you say, okay, we've been doing this. And now we're actually going to pursue it as a profession. Like it's not just a passion anymore; it's it's a career.
2: Hmm.
3: I think one of those leaps for me was when we moved down to Fresno. Yeah,
4: that's what I was going to say.
3: So when we first started our partnership and our relationship, we were both still living with our parents. So I moved back home but it was great because we were living like a mile away from each other. (laughs) Uh, And we got our space when we like traveled to events and whatnot. Um, So, but then we kind of made this leap of like, okay, let's move down to Fresno. um, And we're at this point now where dance full time can support us. Like, oh my goodness, this is actually, this is a career. This isn't just something where I'm just going from one to the next. Like let's make a Mm -hmm. plan on how to use this dance in order to, to support our lifestyle and our living. Mm -hmm. So that for me was a, was a jump of, oh my
4: goodness, I am a
2: professional dancer
3: now. Mm-hmm. When it
4: started paying the bills, yeah. Right. That that changes things a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a, just a, a consequence of like, we really wanted to have our own place together after, you know, living for a couple of years in our parents' homes, getting started and just putting every money towards coaching and traveling to events and, um, you know, put a couple of routines on the floor. And then once, we wanted to make that jump to go full time. it was the perfect timing because the, the swing community was just really starting to blow up internationally. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and at, that really opened up room for more professionals to be working and it created more of a demand for like young up and coming professionals. Mm-hmm. So even though we were really new um, to the scene, we got a lot of opportunities to travel to places like the, the French Open, which were these huge events
2: where, mm-hmm.
4: you know, we're relatively young and inexperienced, but we get to teach for all these people in another language alongside right. of, you know, some of the best professionals who've been doing it forever. Like we're going to the French Open for the first time and we're teaching with Jordan and Todd and Kyle and Sarah. And they're sitting in and watching our workshops and then telling me what we could have done better afterwards, right, you right. know, in a really helpful and constructive way, like a really loving way. Like I, we're going to take the time to help you learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. So that helps a lot as well. Like having all of these opportunities, this rush of international work looking for <laughs> cheap talent <laughs> because we're brand new and we'll just go just to go, right. you know? So we got a ton of exposure, a ton of education, and a lot of opportunities to go do shows, to dance with amazing professionals who can teach us things just by being around them. Um, we're constantly absorbing from 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 you, Deborah, from Robert Royston, from all right. Alistair, from Jordan, top, all, all the people that have been so generous with their experience. You know, it's helped us to continually grow.
1: So what would you say that you, because obviously you've just kind of said how you built yourselves as professionals, but what would you say that you do to continuously develop yourself as better professionals? And what do you do to get yourself out there, to get work as a professional? Mm. Is that a loaded question
2: or what?
4: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a good question though. I think it's very dynamic across your Lifeline as a professional dancer, like it's mm-hmm. going to change mm-hmm. how you pursue work and how you get yourself out there. I mean, mm-hmm. when we were first starting, it was a lot of just going whether or not you were hired and creating exposure for yourself.
2: And would um, you say though,
1: also that when you were first starting, like, you know, Facebook wasn't as prevalent as it is now, and neither was Instagram right? right. So yeah. so what did you do then to help you? Because now Facebook and Instagram are really huge in how to like get yourself out there and to get uh, work, which is something that drives me bananas. Cause it requires a lot of time and I, I don't like promoting myself. Yeah. So I, I want to yeah. know what you, the tricks of the trade are. Tell me, talk to me, <laughs> tell everybody we all want to know. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: I think getting to know people, it's almost like touring as right. a musician. Like yeah. it's getting out and, being a part of a shared experience with people.
2: Sure.
4: Being out in the ballroom, meeting people. Right. Having conversations, having dances, being a part of the event.
2: Yeah.
4: Early um, on it was just that like person to person interaction.
3: Yeah, being available. Um we're nice people. So that's a really big part of our, <laughs> of our brand, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, it's like, we're always down for a conversation or to hear how you're doing or if you're really stressed about something, like we're always just kind of those people who are like, come talk to us, like we're available. Like, <laughs> right. So I think that that helped us to organically build a lot of really great relationships. Um, and as people in the community grow and, and, um, and start to become event directors themselves, uh-huh. Um, we
2: already have these great foundations where they, they know that, um, we're going to be a great addition right. for, for their event, you know, that we show up, we love the dance, mm-hmm. we
3: care about people, we care about each other,
2: right. um,
3: you know, we care about, about how we teach it, you know, um, like we're not just showing up, um, okay. in and checking out.
4: Yeah. Right. I think sure. we made a reputation of being very professional, like right. always being on time, Mm-hmm. and always make sure our emails are answered. You know, the little things like that's mm-hmm. something that worked for us, right. um, but also having coaches who made a point to put our name out there to promoters. Yes. I mean, that can't be ignored. Like we, we built a relationship where uh, some of our professional mentors knew that we knew what we were talking about, that we'd done our studying, that mm-hmm. we, we'd, we learned the dance and would be good as professionals and would be right. good as teachers. And so that helped a lot, I think, to have our name thrown in there. You know, when we do this same thing, like we try to pass on now to the, the next generation, when a promoter is saying, saying, hey, we want to add another couple next year. Who do you think? Mm-hmm. You know, we try to throw some people's names out there who we know are doing the work and who are going to make the event great and deserve that opportunity. So I think that just happened to us a little bit as well where people saw us putting in the work, caring about the community, caring about it, um, trying to do something unique and and get out there and, and dance with the other classic dancers, because at this time there was no rising star. Correct. So if you if you wanted to do something and like make your name make a name for yourself as a professional, you had to go out there as a complete amateur and compete against the best. Mm-hmm. And that was a right. different, that was a different uh, paradigm. So if you could hang at all, it mm-hmm. kind of gave you some street cred to where it's like, okay, they're like in the top 10 of classic. Mm-hmm. So they're on the list of people we could hire because there is fewer professionals and way as many events almost at this point.
1: Right. So you, you mentioned something very interesting because this is part of like how I did my brand, being available for people, talking to people, being in the ballroom. All all of those things. That's part of my brand as well. But Mm -hmm. now we live in a society where, you know, everything's like uh, YouTube and Instagram and and, and Facebook and and sometimes I find, or correct me if I'm wrong, that there are professionals who aren't really available and don't really connect with people. But because they do such a great job promoting themselves on Instagram and Facebook um, and they come in there at the US Open and they're part of the top 10, which doesn't necessarily mean they're a good teaching couple or even a good professional couple, yet they get work. How does that make you feel?
3: <laughs> Man, these easy questions, Deborah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, the
4: naked truth.
2: Yes. it's the naked truth. this is the naked part. Yes, exactly. I
4: find, I find for me that I I try not to keep track of what other people mm-hmm. do too much.
2: Mm-hmm. I try
4: to, as much as possible, do what I think matters, and the events that are attracted to that are the events that I want to be at. Right. So. If someone gets hired for doing something that I don't do, then that's the event that they belong at. I think there's plenty of work to go around at this stage in our career. That's what's different now compared to before, maybe. I think
1: there's more, there's plenty of work to go around.
4: Yeah.
1: Oh. See, I think differently. I think we have, we have a lot of events and we have an an influx of professionals that really aren't good at Mm. what they do and they're cheaper and so they take work
4: but away. But get what you pay for. I mean, that's up yeah. to the consumer.
1: You're right, I get that too.
4: Yeah. You and know, if they want, if you want a, you know, high quality product, you're going to pay a premium. Mm-hmm. And if you want something that's a band aid or something, <laughs> you know, then that's what you'll pay for. Um, right. And I think, for the most part, there's a reason for both to exist. Sure. Agreed. Um. But and
3: people have to learn on the job, you know, mm-hmm. like that's part of it too. is like, yeah, people are getting hired because they're putting the name in the hat and that's awesome. And, you know, as long as they show up and they're willing to hear feedback to make mistakes, ask for advice, you know, like you're, there is a lot of like learning on the
4: job, especially oh. as the dance is you know changing. In general, I'm, I'm a big supporter of people going for it. You sure. Know, like if, if they want to try to do this, as long as they care about doing it right. Mm-hmm. Right. I support that, you know, um, and I think being on social media is going to be important in, in the world of the future. Like, it's just the way that we interact with people and not me, but like, not as humans. Like, (laughs) I I don't think, (laughs) but that's the (laughs) thing is that we don't, I try to use Instagram, but in a way that I feel good about, which isn't as, as do I, as professional. I mm-hmm. would do it if I had somebody like I think there's some people who have really great teams that help sure. them with social the media, and if I oh. had that around me, I would lose it. So mm-hmm. if anybody listening wants to be my social media team, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, contact me at yeah. smk or wcs. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, but for real, like I think I love I love hopping on social media and seeing awesome content. So if somebody's doing sure. something that I enjoy. I'm a fan. Oh
3: yeah, for sure. Again, ultimately it's also really great exposure for the dance. Mm-hmm.
4: Just do it yeah. in a creative way. Like I think there's way like things that we're trying, like new things of doing uh a collab with Robert Royston on our last routine, you and me, where we just filmed our, our classic piece in kind of more cinematic way. We did it uh on several different
2: mm-hmm.
4: stages essentially throughout Venice Beach area. Mm-hmm. Um just to and then Jerome Subay cut it all together. And it was a way of trying to create content that could be.
1: Sure. Know, I get it.
4: In a way, a way of giving us exposure, but in a, in a creative something way. That we've actually created. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel um, like you both have done a good job of, again, you sort of came up before the whole YouTube craze was big or around that time. And I feel like you've both proven yourselves as dancers. And then you got hired because of your dancing and because you were nice people and people wanted to work with you and then you've proven it. Um, and I feel like, you know, Deborah, you were saying people may put out this content and they mm-hmm. may put out exciting dancing, but does that mean that they're going to show up on time? Does it mean they're going right. to deliver good classes? And Correct.
1: that's my, um, that's my point. So yeah. right.
0: I, I feel like it, you know, part of it is, that trade off of and we've talked about this before of like event directors trying to hire an exciting couple that's gonna draw people, right, or have them on staff. Um, but then I think, you know, as you said, Shauna Courtney, like they have to prove it or they have to be willing to learn and develop themselves. And if they if they don't deliver, and I have talked to event directors who are like, we tried them, they were a new young couple and people didn't care for them. So we're not gonna have them back.
4: Right. Right. Yeah. So and I think
0: that social media can be good for getting exposure, but you have to deliver once you're hired.
4: Sure, Absolutely. Right. Because the thing that I'm most conscientious of is I know that event directors talk to each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, they do.
4: And yeah. I want to have, uh, well, number one, I don't want to work for event directors. I work for myself. Mm-hmm. That's that's the number one rule. And that I learned from Deborah Sikin. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because um, you can contract my services but I, I'm my own boss right. we're in a partnership in this mm-hmm. um, but what I want the lasting experience that everyone I work with to have is that was really easy and they over delivered mm-hmm. right. like that's just the mentality that we have mm-hmm. as professionals so I think we try to let that speak more than social media because yes. social media can be exhausting Totally. Yeah. So, but no, you know, no shade to people who are good at it. Cause I'm jealous. I like looking at no, I know. Stuff. But,
3: but I <laughs> also think it's um, like, there's two different sides of the education. Like it's learning how to be an amazing dancer um, that is able to cultivate the next trends in the dance. And that's why you have all these awesome all-star workshops that are popping right. up all over the world, you know? And right. I think that's great, but people need to understand that there's so much more, to being a professional than just being a
1: good dancer. Mm-hmm. Correct. I think yeah. that's what I was trying to get at when I was mentioning about, you know, the Instagram and the Facebook and and and, uh, and all of those things because you know even though those those things get professionals out there, the most important thing about our dance is being social and connecting with one another and me, connecting through social media. To me, is not really actually connecting. If that well, makes I think sense.
4: It depends. Depends on your brand, though. I mean, like you know, I, I heard you mentioning this in, in a, a couple of your podcasts about finding your brand, right? Finding your place, finding who you are as as a professional. I think right. some people are great about getting the word out and helping events feel like they're promoting, right? Some people are really the best dancers, mm-hmm. and that's their thing. They are the best dancers, right? Other people are the best teachers. Right. Some people are really good dancers and really good teachers, but they're crap on social media or, you know, like everybody, everybody has their little niche. And I think that promoters try to like build a team that balances out every end of the spectrum. Probably. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I would do. Um,
2: Sorry,
4: But, but you're right. That like being a good dancer doesn't make you a good professional. Mm-hmm. Like it, you have to learn that, and you know, I started teaching at seventeen so that I could start to pay to go to conventions. So mm-hmm. I rented out a Pilates studio, and mm-hmm. on Wednesday nights, I would have Northwest kids come, and I would just teach them what I learned at the most recent convention, basically, <laughs> or <More laughs> like my my recent private to like relearn it myself and learn how to explain it. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that ever since. I've, I've been teaching nonstop. Since I was a teenager. So it's been a constant learning process and also learning process of us how to do it together. Mm-hmm. So,
3: and you know, like just to plug a couple of, of events that are offering this education to become mm-hmm. a more well grounded dancer, professional, professional um, instructor. Like I know ESS has teacher training, mm-hmm. uh, an event that Eric we're going to be a part of again together this year, all-star swing Mm jam. Right. In March, like they have a professional development program where Sean and I have two hours to basically lay out some of the tools. And then we're available the rest of the weekend um, to sit in on workshops, um, give help with judging, you know, whatever it is. So there's opportunities out there as the dance is growing and expanding. And I think if people ask for it and they go after it, like, Every professional I know wants to share. Like we all love the dance, and so we want to make right. sure that we're passing it down and keeping it in good hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like I am never available to help someone out in order to communicate this dance and, and share the love of it and ultimately you know, keep passing it along.
0: That's one of my questions for you both, because you, you mentioned that you know you started getting invited to events and you would get feedback from other top pros. And I'm wondering how you sought that out or if it was just given to you like did you have kyle and sarah watch you teach if you were at the same event and then ask them for feedback like how did you get that to build your own skill set as professionals
4: we were really lucky that you know we were working alongside of these people back to back to back because a lot of the weekends we were working we were like oh you're going to teach nine hours a day back mm-hmm. to back with another person so you're always around each other that, you know, you're you're always able to listen in on each other's workshops. So we're listening to to theirs, picking up on things that they do, and they're listening to the tail end of the beginning of ours and mm-hmm. seeing like, oh, like you kind of left some dead air there. Like mm-hmm. you can fill it in this way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. L- little,
4: just little tips like that. Like you know, don't leave dead air. Like, make sure people can still see your face when you're picking a song so they don't think you're just texting someone on your phone. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Right. Or so just comments in passing, like, can you believe how they set up their workshop?
4: Gosh, I had to follow
3: that rotation. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah,
4: like learning how to like set up the rotation in the room uh-huh. in a way that the other teachers can sustain for the rest of... Like, little things about how to be a good co-staff uh, member, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, like be considerate of other uh, teachers and set up for success.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of it, I think, was... was offered. Um, we also just tried to be available and present. Um, so that if information was being passed along then we were there to hear it, but I don't think at any point we were like explicitly asking for it.
4: No, I mean, there's many times where like I'll ask our mentors. So like little things I'm curious about, like, Hey, how do you do this one? Even if it's just, how do you do this move? Like, uh, at Monterey last year, I think I, I've been, wanting to learn how you and Robert Royston do the flamingo, Deborah. I've seen you do oh, it a few right. times. I right. asked Robert to show me. Mm-hmm. Um and it was cool because it was just a genuine curiosity on my part and he he's mm-hmm. always made the door open. open.
2: For sure. Yeah.
4: I think like Courtney said, all of us the door is really open. It's just about knowing that it's open mm-hmm. as a person. Like if you're right. on a certain peer level where we're all professionals here, that kind of information mm-hmm. can you know, willingly given. Um, and so he started showing me how to do it. And naturally, just this group of people kind of started gathering around with other, right. mostly like stars and professionals. Like, I know, like, Larissa was there with me and, um, Tony and a group of us in the quarter just all like learned this old, uh, Charlie and Jackie shag step that you and Robert do together all the time. And I actually ended
2: up. Right. Getting- <laughs>
4: I made it into our routine they this year because yeah. so I was like, I love this so much. It was a fun memory <laughs> learning this. So I think it's just Right, ask, of
1: course.
4: Being, being knowing like, you know, if you're a young professional trying to uh, learn how to set up your class, like ask for some privates.
2: Yeah. You know, for like sure.
4: pay, pay the person to develop a relationship. And then I think you'll find that most of the time once you've shown an interest, you get a lot of reciprocation beyond just that hour that you booked with that pro. You know they know to look out right, right now. Mm-hmm. Like when we see someone trying to go for it, we're going to have their back even after the time that they paid for it. You know because this right. community is a family. Like that's the thing about the West Coast community is it it is tight knit, and well, you get to know. about everybody. the
1: word community. That's yeah, what community means right.
4: Mm-hmm. Exactly,
1: sticking together, and,
4: and so uh, I think that's that's something that we really have as a fabric of our career is that we we are in this community with everybody. It's our right. family. We know these people that we grew up with since we were kids that we've been seeing dancing at our local venues and right. at all the events we go to. And new people come in and we get to know them, and we know their parents' names, and we know right. their dogs, and we know right. you know their hobby and their job, and like we've been seeing them for. 10 years, and mm-hmm. I think everybody knows everybody eventually if you're around. Right. We Longevity all. helped us as well. Like, where we, I think, even though there's always challenges and ups and downs to any, any career or any, for any dancer or any couple, yep. we always stuck it out yep. and kept going and didn't give up. Mm-hmm. When we dropped placements at the open or went up placements or didn't make finals or the next year placed top four, we kept going, you know? Right. And so I think when people see that body of work, it also speaks for itself.
1: So, what would you say, like, what's the one thing that surprised you or that's different um, about being a professional
2: that you didn't expect? A lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh well that narrows uh, it down.
3: Yeah, I think I always thought looking up to women like you, Deborah, Brandy, Sarah, Todd, Jess. Like, look at these amazing goddesses of dance, they have it all figured out. When I get there, I'm gonna have it all figured out. <laughs> Surprise. Surprise <laughs> Not nice. we don't have it all figured out. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, life lesson right now <laughs> so I think for me like being in the champions chairs and still having the nerves the the self-doubt um you know like still being really vulnerable um you know just because you're at the at the top of the game doesn't mean that like you just stop uh developing that part of you as, as an artist and a, and a competitor um which is why I, I hate and I love the open at the same time <laughs> Because it gives me that challenge every year of how do I push myself to to take it to the next level to take it to the next step. Um, but yeah, I think there was this kind of feeling of once you get the points <laughs> that, that maybe that that part of your um, insecurity falls away. Um, so that's kind of been one of the things that I've that I've noticed. I've done. And then really like kind of held close, so I can keep growing with that challenge.
4: Champions, they're people too. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> totally. Like you don't like you don't see champions as people when you first start. They're just like they're champions. <laughs> uh, but that's you know everybody everybody poops.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I feel like sometimes people forget that you know. Um we 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 as champions, we go through ups and downs in life in general and even within, uh, you know, the dance community. I think it was last week or two weeks ago that I was on the phone with Courtney and I was I was having a mental breakdown, wasn't I, Courtney? <laughs> yeah, I was a little bit like, I can't. Anymore. You know, sometimes I feel like I, we we all have like a love, hate relationship with the community. We obviously love it more than we hate it, but sometimes, because of life and because of what's going on, in the dance community, sometimes it gets a little bit overwhelming and it's good to recognize that we all have each other to lean on for that right. aspect because
4: of it. When it becomes a job, you still have to show up even when you're yes. having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and when part of your job is to make the community a fun and inspiring place, that can be really tough when Definitely. you're you know, having a rough day. But I think that challenge makes you love it even more. Like if, if you can show up and do it,
2: right? Especially your way, it. yeah,
4: yeah. Um, but yeah, that's really challenging for sure. Um, I I love the travel, but the travel a lot. Yeah. Sometimes that's that's something that I didn't realize. It's just me neither. How much body I have in a plane.
1: Yeah, when you're first starting out and you're doing it, it's so fun, right? And then you, as the more and more you do it, you realize that you know it puts a toll on your body, even even though you're eating right or trying to sleep right when you're at home. Just the travel in general, it's it's taxing,
4: right? Yeah, I know. So much flares and lighting. Yeah, so much. So much. much Yeah, (laughs) it's so like it's so I'm I take after you, Deborah, that like I'm always traveling with like my essential oils and you you've taught me how to have a bag of vitamins everywhere I go. (laughs) Right. But, um, yeah, I always feel like I'm having to do so much maintenance just to make up the travel. And I feel like this dance has become so athletic. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes that it's like, I really have to be on point. Like I have to, I have to make sure that I'm really taking care of my body, but you get out of those airplanes, you feel like you've been in the refrigerator for five years. Oh, hit, by a train. <laughs> yeah. or hit by a train yeah it's bad you're mummified
0: um
4: <laughs> mummified, <laughs> yeah. mummified.
0: so let me ask you a question related to that then um because what we're talking about here is like one the hardships of actually being a professional and two part of the challenge is longevity right like staying out there and staying relevant and at the top of the game and getting hired um, and you've both alluded to how you've kind of developed yourselves. And I'm curious how you continue to develop yourselves. Like how do you, you know, Courtney, you mentioned going to the open and like this year I got to push myself. How do you keep pushing yourselves and staying relevant, um, but also stay true to your brand and who you are? Like I've had the privilege of watching both of you just because I live here in the Bay Area, watching both of you really develop as dancers. And I really admire it, how you have both pushed yourselves and, and evolved your brand. And I'm curious what goes into that how much of it is forethought of like, I'm going to develop myself this way. How much of it is going to your own mentors and saying like, I'm clay mold me. You want to go first?
2: Um,
3: yeah, like I speak at least like a small part of it in terms of like how we're developing ourselves um, and pushing ourselves, but staying true Mm -hmm. the same way is, um, is building our choreography and then getting our coaches to look at it. Mm-hmm. So, so we're creating movement and musicality that feels at home in our bodies. like, of course, pushing ourselves to try new things. Um, but then we don't just go, Ooh, this feels good. Or "Ooh, we've got this, like, this is going to be the final product. It's like, now let's get someone else's eyes on it. Let's mm-hmm. get someone else's perspective, history, technique, knowledge. Like let's, Let's grow inside of ourselves because someone else is is able to look at us and say, "Here's who you want to be. Let me make it a clear picture for you."
4: Yeah, why well, it's the reason why it's consistently our brand, even though we're growing standards, is because it's always coming from us as a raw product. Like right. it's always our our idea, our you know um, our choreography, at least at, at the base, and then we have amazing pros around us, amazing coaches and mentors who can take that, that raw idea and see how to polish it up and how to make it come true. How to and make I your vision
1: happen. Yeah, that,
4: That's right. a combination right. that works really well for us. Okay. Uh, I think everybody has their own process, but for us, we've been refining our our practice in choreography. Um, and I think a lot of people, that's a big difference maker, is if you can figure out how to effectively communicate Uh, and know how to make your best product, you know, and seeing how other couples choreographed was helpful, you know, watching some of our coaches and what they did and trying those things out. Um, Deborah, I remember you telling me about how you had your routine at three different speeds on on like one CD, um, how you warmed up, you know, trying those different methods out, and then kind of finding our own sweet spot for that. Um, But So we we work on our craft as far as choreographers in co-creation, you know, on how we can get the best out of each other. Uh, but it's always from where we're at in our life to like this most recent routine, um, on the road was just a kind of a combination of a lot of things that we were inspired by, like being really inspired recently by, uh, boogie dancers that we were seeing Mm -hmm. come out at, uh, Canadian Swing Dance Championship yeah. last year and the music that they danced to and the vibe and the speed and how, how it almost looked like West Coast Swing. Uh, she drew this guy Felix from Sweden, Sweden yeah. uh, the year before and they brought the roof down doing a combination of Boogie and West Coast Swing to so like right Mars and it was, it was mind numbing. So we've just been really inspired by this kind of movement. Um, and I came across that song and that was a, a song on the road, the original that Courtney's dad. Wrote. Um, so just everything kind of came together. We were inspired at the right moment. Right. Outside of what we do together, we both do things to help with our like ability and our longevity to, um, like I have my own training protocol that, that I've been working on and developing with my trainer, um, Jacob Forbes up here in Santa Rosa, um, Working on our nutrition, like making sure that we're we're trying to really put the best in our bodies, so that we don't break down, mm-hmm. um, and that we can get every last little bit of dancing out of our joints, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
4: and, and be doing it till we're ninety, mm-hmm. like right. like Lou, you know, like I want to still be coming out. We're we're lifers for this, so um, like, Courtney's really helped also with like her her path and interest in, in yoga recently. Because um, that's been amazing for, I think, our injury prevention overall.
1: Right, sure. Thanks. Um,
4: like, and mentally, and also,
1: it's good for you too. Oh,
4: yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Like learning yeah. how to control breath and and clear your mind, I think has helped us to become much more consistent and uh, more present when we're in the moment on the floor.
3: Yeah, but it's always just like really – for me, like a fine balance between um, how can I grow? Like how can I push my boundaries and take inspiration? But then how do I cultivate that and like bring it back home inside of myself, mm-hmm. inside of, inside of me? Cause it's really easy to see these amazing dancers and go, I want to do that. I want to move like that. I want to try this style. But then I would find myself in this place where I'm like, who am I? <laughs> That's not me. Like how can I take someone's movement, appreciate it, how can I absorb it and then come back home into myself? And then I, and then I have this new, this new um, tool
1: outlook. Right? Yeah. yeah,
3: Right. Yeah. So it's, um, I feel like it's this constant kind of wavering between like seeking outside inspiration and then going, hold on, you need to come back here. Okay. Go seek again. Okay. Now come back in. Hmm. Um, and so that's been, that's been a nice like way for me to ride a little bit. And that's that's something that's kept it really fun and and interesting. Like, am I getting bored with myself? Time to watch the movie too. Am I getting too insecure? Time to come back to what feels good to me. Time to come
2: back to the feet.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Do you watch yourselves and give yourselves feedback, like to develop your own dance? I know that's a common practice just in general. Like, people are obsessed with videoing their like comp videos and then studying them. Like, how much do you do that to develop your dance versus like go seek inspiration, just try it and see what happens?
4: Actually, it it goes in cycles for me. Sometimes I won't watch myself dance at all Hmm. (laughs) because I just want to feel it. Mm Right. You know, I just want to be able to get out of the idea of what it looks like and just do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think you can tell that some people. Obsessed about how it looks mm-hmm. and not how it feels. Uh, that's okay. Like, that's fine. But sometimes I want my focus to be more internal mm-hmm. or more focused on making my follower feel really connected or feeling really connected with my follower and less about how it looks. Yeah. Uh, that being said, there are times where I really want to check in on what my progress is like and see. If all of that good feeling movement actually looks good, or if it looks like I'm on crack, right. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, like sometimes I let myself go a little bit, and I'm like, "Let's try some shit out." Uh, sorry, I'm on. You your can podcast. say that. It's fine. Um, <laughs> let's let's try some stuff out, and then I'll go and I'll watch video after a month or so, and say, "Okay, that was a good idea. That was a little weird." Um, let's bring it back here. Let's push it there. Uh, like straighten that part out, get coaching on that part. How do you Mm -hmm. fix that? You know, uh, I'll take the most difficult habits that I consistently see over time and I'll take that to a coach and be like, how do I get rid of this financing? How do I replace this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, One thing
3: I'm always trying to do is... It's like when we take our choreography, that, that little lump of clay, to our coaches and we say, like, help me understand myself, like, mm-hmm. look at what I'm actually trying to say and help me shape that. Mm-hmm. I try to do that when I'm watching my videos. So mm-hmm. it's really easy for me to watch my video. I, I have to watch it, like, five times before I find anything I like. <laughs> so I commit myself to watching it, like, five times through. Um,
1: That's five? I and, watch my, like, 60. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed. <laughs> it's crazy. The struggle is real.
2: Um, uh, <laughs>
3: So, so I try to watch my movement and I go, okay, how how can you present a clearer, more um, solidified, you know, version of what you were trying to say? How can you communicate a little bit clearer and instead of looking at it with like this negative bias of that was a bad choice? Mm-hmm. Like, well, what were you going for, and how can we make this a little clearer the next time? But um, you know, also just being a routine dancer and just the amount of video work that we're doing where we're watching hours of footage every day, you know, after we've been in the studio for hours. Um, it is really nice to keep a part of, of this dance where it's just freedom of expression. It's just creative movement. It's just that improv, you know, in the moment reaction.
1: Um, so how much, how much of your dance would you say, well, this is going to be hard to anyway, how much of your, <laughs> your dance would you say is more emotionally based than it is mentally based or vice me, versa?
2: I, yeah. For me, ninety percent emotional.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: yeah. Yep. That's me. <laughs> I'm probably the one eighty of that. I think I'm probably ninety percent <laughs> mental, mental, but not like in a way that I feel. I feel it, but I'm I'm also thinking about what I'm trying to portray or what I'm trying to accomplish in that moment. Or what what I'm doing rhythmically and and how that makes sense in the music
3: um you can imagine what some of our uh, discussions of, like in the practice <laughs> <laughs> oh no i, I think, think I feel this but just tell me what you think
1: right i, I think right <laughs> so i think it's important for people to recognize that more often than not in a dance partnership it's usually the female who has this emotional feel about the dance and the leader who's has more of an analytic, analytical approach to the dance. And that's just part of how our brains work and how our bodies work. It's just finding that happy medium of how to learn how to use the other side of yes. what we lack in the dance. Because, you know, when I was dancing with Robert, I was the emotional uh, being and he was the, you know, well, we got to do it this way, we count this way, we do that. And and they're both very important. It's just learning how to... Uh, um, Complement one another and use the skills that we're not as good at, and try to incorporate them. Right? Wouldn't Absolutely. you say? In our dance, yeah, yeah. That's,
3: you know, like that's the power of the divine feminine is being sensitive and being right. able to feel. And unfortunately, in a world where um, there's a lot of analytics and <laughs> engineers, and being able to communicate things, um, sometimes our way of communicating isn't always held up as much as it should be. Right. Uh, but I think, Deborah, what you're saying is is right, like, inside of this like, how can we fit together mm-hmm. and have the emotional feeling side of the dance, you know, run right alongside the, the mind version of the dance.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Blending the science and the art. Mm-hmm. It's so hard sometimes. So, um, I'm just mindful of the time, and I know you need to take off, Courtney. So, uh, before we do our sign-off, I wanted to ask you one last question, which is um, what's next for you both? What do you hope to see in your careers in the next phase? Where do you want your influence to go? be first, babe. <laughs> Me first?
2: <You> first.
4: <laughs> That's always a tough question because I feel like I try to plant a lot of seeds and then see what grows. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm in a phase of experimentation a little bit where uh, I'm trying out new things like choreo camp is a, a new workshop weekend that we're testing out in a couple weeks up here in Northern California. And I'm just really interested in what will happen when you take a group of dancers who are social West Swing dancers and you just give them movement to learn and to perfect they get the opportunity to try something. Oh, that wasn't right. Okay. Let me make this. A try it again. Okay. Now fix my foot. Okay. Try it again. And see what that does for that, the regular social dancer to be able to have that experience with a professional coach watching them. So I'm really excited about that as, a, as an ex- uh, experiment. Uh, and I'm interested in like, trying more film projects. You know, it's something, Courtney and I have two projects that are currently in process with uh, is editing a couple more things together. Mm-hmm. So it's it's venturing into to new territories. We love traveling to events. We love dancing classic. We love competing in Jack and Strictly's. But it's this is a, a year of exploring more. Yes. Yeah territory outside of that circuit because we feel like we can create more uh creative material and content by staying in one place for more time
1: absolutely i totally <laughs> agree with that
4: be, yeah. be able to send it out to the world mm-hmm. um yeah you know either via the web or out specific events rather than on the road and not having this home base we live right across the street from our studio. i mean mm-hmm. this is that's great. a uh, place that's very nice to be. You know, we love we love getting outdoors here in Sonoma County, and we love spending time go walking across the street to our studio and mm-hmm. just putting in work. So we're right now we have several choreography projects that we're doing as well. We have a couple pro am routines, a few rising star routines, our new classic routine, and some other stuff that's still in the works that you'll hear about soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but lots and lots of choreography which is I think what we're the most passionate about as a, as a We you Yeah. We love to teach, but getting into the studio and choreographing for people is what we love to do. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing it for a long time and we love the variety of material that we can churn out because we did right. so many routines of our own in a short amount of time. We did like 11 routines and five years, mm-hmm. years together because mm-hmm. um, we're always changing ideas and doing something new. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just a year of like, Creating and experimenting and trying new things out. Um, we also have Movement Lab. Uh, your movementlab.com is a, a new platform that we're we're trying out. Where we're trying to create a community all about movement, trying to give people a way of uh, interfacing with their teachers more consistently um, via the web, uh, giving them ideas for recipe for warm ups for competition. Uh, A place where they can, you know, make a community with other people interested and just be a mover, uh, someone who likes to be connected to their body and and use it in dancing or in yoga or in the gym. Right. Um, so that's just another place where we're we're trying something new and Mm -hmm. we're seeing what happens and letting it grow and be organic. So it's, it's very cool to kind of be in the unknown. Um, rather than just be doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like one of my uh, biggest takeaways from the month that I spent in Peru was,
1: um, well, hold on, time team? out back up for a minute. So people know, cause not everyone knows why you went to oh. Peru. Explain that real quick. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, that's right, really right, cool. Right. So,
3: so immediately after the year's open, I hopped on a plane to Peru for a month where I received my 200 hour yoga teacher training. Um, <laughs> and it was transformative on so many levels. And what was really great about uh, their, this school was how much um, meditation and mindfulness was really a part of the practice. And so coming back and in, into a couple of events and just recognizing, um, like you said, Deborah like this is such a community and we have so many opportunities to connect with one another on, on a deeper level as we're all moving our bodies. Um, So I'm just trying to stay really present to ways that I can help make this community a really healthy, happy place for people to move their bodies Um, and and how we can, you know, be going to these hotels and still showing up for for competitions and wanting Mm -hmm. to push ourselves and understanding all of that, but how we can uh, nurture another part of this dance, which is really beautiful. And ultimately, you know, the part that I fell in love with and that's been driving my career for the last more
4: than six years, moving <laughs> just just to move, not for a reward or competition, right? Maybe just because right. to do it, yeah, it feels mm-hmm. good.
2: Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. good. it's good for you.
3: Express yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good song too by Madonna.
4: <laughs> it's answers much live song. longer.
2: Yes,
1: right. I think it's important that our community, like, uh, be be we have to consider our community, even though it's very social. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a sports like health aspect to it that we're kind of lacking a little bit and we need to move closer to that a, type of feel. It's
4: a paradigm that I think we're trying to lead the yeah. paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. In. Um, right. I said paradigm twice. It's a good, okay. uh, <laughs> a good word though. <laughs> no, I think we're trying to, to really lead that push mm-hmm. by example and mm-hmm. by, um by putting things out there that, Encourage it and give people ideas of, of how we do it. You know, like we want to share the way that we warm up or have our students warm up before they go out and dance so that they can feel good in the body. Because I know what a difference it makes when I feel good physically, yeah. how much better I can dance um, versus when I feel creaky and people sit in front of their desks at work a lot and to learn how to loosen up and, and, and you know, the the ways that they can get their body to support them for the movement that they want to do and they want to feel good about, I think. Um, So, you know, we've been making changes over the years because when we first got in this community, it was like way more social. Right. Uh, And it was late night. So it was just a different set of goals of what you were doing. And, and it's, that's all still there, but now I feel like there is this shift going towards doing things that get people outdoors. Like we led a hike at Monterey, which was so much fun. Like Tara had this idea of having us take a group on a hike that we do every year with our dog at Mm -hmm. Jack's Peak at Monterey Swing Fest. And just getting everybody outdoors together out of the ballroom before the weekend, meeting a bunch of new people. Right. Was awesome. So I'm looking forward to more stuff like that where we get to be social in like an in a active different way. Yeah. Way outdoor mm-hmm. way. Um, okay. it was, it was really, really fun. So I loved doing that. I think we're going to do it again next year too. So that's great. That should be great.
0: Awesome.
1: Great. This was a very lovely talk.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. This yes. was great. You're both awesome. Thank you so much for having us.
1: Yes. It was a pleasure. Um, thank you for all you do for the community. Um, and for each other, it's important. You know, you can't give to the community very well unless you're good to yourselves and each other, and you do a really good job of being good to each other and yourselves, which makes you really to great. Us. <laughs> uh, okay,
4: thank you. Yeah. Thanks for your support.
1: Which, yeah.
4: Yeah. Everybody yeah. in the world listening probably already knows this, but you all need to know how sweet this woman is. Oh. Um, uh, yeah. She is yeah. She is the caretaker of every professional oh. in the singing community. Ms. Debasekde is Mary Poppins with her purse full of the. <laughs> Band aids or vitamins <laughs> or whatever you, you yeah. need to get through the day.
1: Yeah, the yeah, is right. always okay.
4: Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, thank
1: you. I
2: appreciate. I that.
4: can't speak highly enough of you, also Eric, and what you're doing with Mission City. We are so inspired by the the super vibrant and like exciting community that you have going on there. It's awesome. People got to make it. Mission Francisco all the time. Yes, 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 yes. Thanks. Enjoy the city. We came here to promote you guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you promoting today? YouTube. <laughs> awesome.
4: Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah. If people want to contact Sean and Courtney, you can reach them through their website, seanandcourtneywcs.com You can also find them on Facebook, and you can follow them on Instagram, where they are also Sean and Courtney WCS. You can reach Deborah and I through our own website, TheNakedTruthWCS.com. You can respond to our posts on Facebook and you can share your thoughts with us in our discussion group on Facebook. To get the latest news, you can like our page on Facebook, subscribe to our newsletter, follow us on Instagram at TheNakedTruthWCS or follow us on Twitter because, you know, some people do that (laughs) at WCS. We are also doing another live event Friday night at Rose City Swing. So check our website and the Rose City Swing schedule for more information. And of course, send us your questions so that we can answer them during our live show. And don't forget, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a number of other podcast hosting platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review on Facebook. And if you're on iTunes, please rate us and give us a review over on iTunes. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric.
1: And I'm Deborah. And that's the naked truth.
3: Everybody poops.